Hey, you are listening to The Workplace Leader. This is the podcast where we go behind the scenes of corporate real estate, talking to industry experts about how they shape the next generation workplace. I'm your host, Sabine M. And in today's episode, I'm speaking with Christy Woolsey. Christy is an Associate Director at Boston Consulting Group. Hi, everyone. Today, I'm meeting with Christy Woolsey, who I actually met like a week or two ago in her metaversal space, which was quite a new experience for me. And that's what we're going to be talking or tapping into a bit today as well. But first things first. Hi, Christy. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Hey, good, good. I like to say I start um, the conversation with a little housekeeping. The audience gets some information about you and some background. Can you tell us what your job is today and what your professional background is? So I am currently an associate director with BCG, Boston Consulting Group, which is a one of the biggest global consulting business consulting companies in the world. And I also, I lead the smart environments practice for BCG. My background, I actually got my first job in an architect's office when I was 15 years old, drawing floor plans. I was very excited about that. And I did that for a number of years, but I ended up being a professor at Arizona State University. And my area of research was the way that physical environment can actually influence behavior. I was quite interested in things like, you know, putting the milk in the back of the grocery store so that that kind of technique or having a, making sure that you lose track of time in a shopping mall or a casino, right? And how does the physical environment contribute to how that experience happens? But I became more and more interested in how physical space could combine with technology to influence those behaviors, arena called a behavioral strategy. And as I moved into facial recognition and sensors and voice recognition and you know, both all the possibilities and the ethics of all of that, ethics and privacy of all of that, I began to realize that there was a real possibility to add virtual space to that toolkit. And right about the time I got interested in that, the uh, pandemic hit and everyone came home. And I was thinking forward to when we would return to the office. And because of the behavioral strategy background, I know that it takes about 90 days for a new habit to set in. So as soon as the pandemic lasted longer than 90 days, we were not going back. And then we have this challenge of hybrid, right? Um, there's nothing worse than a hybrid meeting in the office where you have three people in a room and three or four people in little squares on a screen. And it's really not a very good or useful experience for anyone. And so I began thinking about, well, how might virtual space or what is now being called the metaverse begin to solve for that uh, future of work? And that's how I kind of wandered into this space through future of work. And I find it quite interesting and that a lot of my background in physical space actually complies, you know, applies exactly to virtual space. That's interesting. I definitely want to hear more about that. Um, but first, in the things that you work on, who are your typical stakeholders? So the term metaverse is being used by many people as if the metaverse is a thing. And perhaps someday it will be. 
But right now, it really refers to apps on headsets, right? So it's not one thing, right? It's apps on headsets and sometimes games on browsers, right? And what really defines a metaverse experience is when you get to interact with someone or some people across distance. And so many people are you know, are playing games and creating communities. And so that is a metaverse experience, whether it's Roblox or Fortnite or Minecraft or any of the kind of of popular games. But where it becomes really interesting in terms of a business application is thinking about how this can allow people to be together who, for whatever reason, cannot currently be together, right? And so that same technology that allows me to connect and play a game with someone who's on the other side of the world could also allow me to go shopping with my best friend who lives thousands of miles away. And we could meet in the metaverse and we could be, at this point, looking at pictures of actual clothes. And I can turn to my friend who is thousand miles away, but appears to be right next to me. And I can say, hey, I think that dress would look really cute on me. What do you think? And if she says yes, then I can do whatever, click, pat, whatever that picture. Um, and uh, because my I've logged in when I came in, uh, that can actually connect to e-commerce. And that dress could be shipped and land at my doorway, right? So we can start to see where that idea of connecting across distance could really um, add value in a retail setting or a customer facing setting. It also potentially adds value in like a hybrid workplace where you can collaborate across distance. You can bring a global team together in a way that feels like they're in the room in person. It also has value in an industrial setting where I could For instance, I can take a a designer and an engineer and I can do a dummy car crash test in a virtual setting and the designer and the engineer can have a whole conversation about what should change to make that car crash test go better, right? And they can stand there (laughs) next to the car all virtually and have this conversation, you know, pointing and using all of the kind of gestures and body language that we use in real life. Yeah. Now we've talked about a little bit about the benefits of the metaverse or an experience in the metaverse. How do you see the purpose of the physical office for organizations in the future? So during the pandemic, I have worked with more than 50 organizations and provided expertise to a whole lot more than that. And over and over again, we are looking at the question of what is the purpose of physical space? If I did not have an office, what would I build right now at this point in history? And what we keep coming back to across industries and companies is there are four main reasons that physical space still adds value, right? And that is connection, collaboration, affiliation, and learning, right? And to go through those very quickly, like connection... People want to come to the office to connect to other people, right? And so as companies are thinking about their office layouts, it's almost like the cafe, the coffee, the tea station, the snack station. That's like the most important space in the office in terms of the draw to get people to come in. And a lot of times designers will be laying out the floor plan, really thinking about efficiency. And I don't think efficiency is our benchmark anymore. 
I think our efficiency is the number of collisions that the space drives. How many people can I run into in a given day because of the layout of the office? An open staircase between floors lets you see more people, whereas people get on an elevator and they just stand there. They don't interact, right? And so really focusing on collision to make those connections is very important. The next uh, thing to really think about is collaboration. We come to the office to collaborate. We do not come to the office to do individual work. Even before the pandemic, many, many of us packed our briefcases full of papers before the weekend so that we could go home and get something done, right? Because we don't go to the office to do individual work. We'll do that between meetings. But for the most part, we go to the office to collaborate with others, which means that instead of the facilities team really thinking about like individual desks and booking systems that help them identify individual desks, they really need to be thinking about team areas, right? So that if my team is coming to the office one week a month or one week a quarter or two days a week, I want to be able to book an area for my team. And that area needs to have individual desks, a team room, a whiteboard working space, right? So it becomes much more like a conference center where I can actually book those kinds of things for my team. The third piece is is affiliation. And this is really recognizing that the physical space is an opportunity for the organization to drive its messaging. So whether it's through the visual style, the look and feel, through uh, signage, through communications, through activities, events, affordances, um, those kinds of things really can communicate to your employees what the culture aspires to be and what your employer value proposition is. And so that becomes a very important communication tool. And then the last thing is learning. And I am, yes, talking about, you know, kind of large group learning settings where you want to put people in teams and they can and they can chat a bit, although they can do that in the metaverse as well. What is interesting when we think about it is that our youngest employees are perhaps sharing an apartment with two other people. They do not have a good home office setup. And they come to the office because the office provides them a better place to work. Our most senior employees, they have a home office and they don't want to commute, right? But how are our youngest employees going to learn from those overheard conversations or or that kind of thing from the senior employees if they aren't coming in, right? So one of the one of the challenges is to set up systems where it's Tuesday and Friday or are the days that we're all coming in or or set up processes or reward systems or whatever to really encourage, you know, your middle-level managers and your senior people to come in and to have those kind of conversations in those rooms and meetings and places where people who are learning, who are apprenticing, who need that mentorship can overhear and grow. You mentioned before that your experience with physical space is pretty much similar to what you see in metaversal space. What role will the metaverse play in workplace strategy, you think? I think one of the big misses in the way the metaverse is being rolled out right now is that the real estate teams who really have that core, deep workplace strategy knowledge are not very involved in provisioning metaverse space, right? Because we know 
how to engineer serendipity. We know how to get people to bump into each other. We know how to influence people to move through a space, to drive towards a particular goal. We know how to do wayfinding in physical space. And all of those things really are exactly the same in a metaverse environment. And so if we take that workplace strategy knowledge and we apply it to metaverse spaces, all of a sudden they get much better, much more effective, much more kind of value adding for business outcomes, you know, attraction, retention, productivity, innovation. We know how to do that in physical space and it really does transfer over. We want to do that same kind of strategic three-dimensional space thinking in virtual space. Yeah. And what are some of the common misperceptions around the metaverse? One of the most common misperceptions, especially when it comes to office space, real estate teams, is that the first thing that you're going to do when you are creating a metaverse experience is you're going to make a digital twin of your office, right? Everybody's like, oh, you're building a digital twin. I understand what you're doing. Like, no, no, no. We are creating an experience. And the big question is, like, why would you create a digital twin? The number one thing that people want is light and views and high ceilings. And in a metaverse copy of your office, you can have more rooms with light and window and views and higher ceilings because we don't need columns. We aren't limited by the physical size of the building. So it's almost important that you think about creating office space in the metaverse that matches the look and feel, but doesn't literally mimic the spaces that are constrained by structure and plumbing and the lease line. And air conditioning. Yes. <laughs> Just thinking about it because it's so hot and we don't have it. I've noted a little bit like from a spectator seat that a lot of, or I've actually been other guests on this show have said that hybrid work and catering for remote work is one of the biggest challenges for organizations, the organization as a whole, but also the real estate team as a smaller sub segment of that. How do you think leadership and organizations need to change in order to embrace that? And then going further into the future, embrace including the metaverse into their portfolio of workplace ecosystem. I do think organizations have to think differently about the office and the role of the office and the role of the real estate team going forward. There's a couple of levels of this. At the highest level, The question is, what is the experience that you need to deliver for your employees in order to return business value, whether that is attract and retain, productivity, drive innovation, all of those kind of things, like oblivious of real estate. And if we think about this is the experience I need to deliver, it's really important that we think across our organization for how that gets delivered so that we can align to that experience strategy, right? And so if we think about this almost as a spreadsheet, right? And every step of the experience is across the top as a column. And then we have these rows and the rows are people, process, place, and technology, right? And so if you have a particular experience that's that you want to deliver, then you really have to think through 
what is in the category of people that will help me deliver? I mean, do you need to upskill? Do you need to hire? Do you need to, right, process? What kinds of processes do we need to have in place to deliver that experience? Place, what kinds of physical or virtual spaces um, do we need to deliver that experience? And then technology, what's the tech ecosystem that allows for that to actually happen? And when we think that way and we give each of our teams, whether it's the business unit, HR, real estate, IT, they have their marching orders but they're all marching towards delivery of the same experience. They all understand that experience. It aligns efforts that, in a way that is incredibly powerful. And so organizations, rather than thinking of these four areas as separate departments with separate budgets and separate operating, it's almost like organizations post-pandemic really need to get clear about the experience that they want to deliver, that they need to deliver to get business results, and then align each of those groups to deliver against that experience. I think that's a different way of thinking in an organization, right? To have everyone aligned towards the same North Star, but much more effective. The real estate team specifically post-pandemic has a couple of things that they need to do, right? And the first one is something that they need to do with in conjunction with HR, which is really think about, you know, what are the big employee categories based on remote effectiveness, right? So if I am someone who touches equipment, who serves people, then I'm not going to be very effective remotely. And that can be the janitor pushing a broom. It can be a scientist in a lab. It can be, it doesn't matter. It's like how effective will it be. So that's kind of the, that's one end of the spectrum category. The other end of the spectrum category is someone who uh, maybe they're a telemarketer, they read a script, they need to come in the office a couple of times a year for training and affiliation, but that's really it. They're fine from home. Those are the two big categories that we can very easily sort, not departments, but job titles into, right? And then we have the kind of big middle ground, which are people who are like, uh, some effectiveness remotely, some effectiveness. And I think we can sort those people into two buckets based on the clarity of the process, right? So on the clear process, you might think about um, like a finance person who's closing the books every month right? You know, the numbers change, but the process is the same, right? So so they might be able to be pretty darn effective remote, except that they get need to get together, I don't know, one week a month to close the books and improve the process, right? Then there's another group of people that have a very poorly defined process, right? They're in charge of new initiatives. They're in charge of... And so the first thing they need to do is to get together to figure out what they need to do, right? It's not... And every time. And for those teams... They need to be in person a lot during the first part of the work. And then as it becomes more familiar, then then they can go to more remote. And so if we have these four categories and we sort the job roles into those categories, again, not departments, but job roles into those categories, then you can start to say, oh, wow, you know what? More than 50% of my company is in this category. And that has implications for the amount of square footage that you need to provide, 
right? So depending on the percentage in your company of which is in what category and how effective remotely they can be, you can begin to kind of target in on, oh, this is probably where my footprint needs to be. So it's not square footage per person so much as it is square footage per person in these different categories. So that's one thing that I think that the real estate crew needs to think about. The other thing is to recognize that the real estate team is responsible for provisioning workspace. Like at the end of the day, that is the core responsibility. We are enabling work. And so one of the things I think the real estate team has to really expand their aperture because I'm working from my house. So is the real estate team thinking about how to make me more effective in my house? providing guidance on setup, providing training, providing resources. Can that workplace strategy person get on the phone with me for an hour and help me set up? You know, maybe yes, maybe no, depending on your organization, but that can, should be part of real estate responsibility, right? There's also, when we think about provisioning workspace, you might think about providing memberships and co-working spaces. That's provisioning workspace. If you've got people that, you know, they've got an hour and a half commute every day, well, maybe there's a co-working space near them. And so you have them come into the office once a month, once a quarter, but the rest of the time you can provision a workspace through a co-working membership. And then that's where this idea of metaverse also comes in, right? You are provisioning workspace. How am I provisioning workspace in the virtual world as well? And so I think if real estate teams really think more broadly about their function, there's value to be added beyond the traditional physical footprint. Absolutely. One of the other big topics is well, diversity and inclusion. And when we were in the metaverse, you were there in your avatar. So I was wondering, can the metaverse help with DEY challenges that organizations do have? The metaverse is quite enabling of people who have physical challenges. I'm an avatar and I don't need a wheelchair or a cane or a whatever, right? And it can be enabling for some other challenges like hearing, if you can connect or amplify or whatever. It does not necessarily enable um, if you have visual challenges or complete hearing loss. So that has a ways to go. But of course, the technology to connect directly to nerve centers in the brain is a likely solution for that. Um, I think in terms of things like uh, racial and gender equity, one of the things that's interesting about the metaverse is that you, you have the opportunity to present yourself however you would like. And what we find in enterprises is best to present yourself something close to what you actually look like so that people can recognize you and interact with you in that way. But I think that there's a bit of a playing field leveling when we are all avatars. I mean, certainly as a woman, this is not terribly scientific, but I have noticed that the younger women on my team are more likely to speak out as their avatars than they are when we are in a physical space meeting. So I, I'm sure somebody has researched this. I don't actually have the answer to that question. One of the great equalizers of the metaverse is between those who are in person and those who are not. 
And there are many, many people who have been working remotely for years who will tell you that they aren't being promoted as quickly. And there is data around this. People, you know, they're not being promoted. They're not made aware of positions that are available. They're not exposed to many of the activities. People just forget that they're there because they're not in the main headquarters. They don't, you know. And so one of the things that the metaverse does is is a huge equalizer of that. We have three people in the office and they are all avatars. And we've got two people that are in remote corners of the globe and they are avatars. And we are all in a virtual room together. And we are all equal in terms of our access to leadership and to those opportunities and to those conversations. And so I think that is a great equalizer in terms of the metaverse. Now, companies looking at new ways of working coming from probably some end of the spectrum that is more traditional than working in the metaverse and being hybrid and flexible and all these things, where do you think they should start embracing this future of work, this new way of doing things? There are a couple of stages in moving towards a future of work. And the first one is stunningly low tech. (laughs) When we think about hybrid teams, the group of people that have the greatest difficulty making that transition are the direct managers of those teams. For most of us, we learned how to manage by wandering around. We learned to overhear conversations so that we could understand whether someone was prioritizing the right activities or moving at the right speed or delivering at the right level of detail. And what we found in working with these organizations and helping them transition to a hybrid future of work, which is where everything is, we're not going back. You know, some people will embrace it more or less than others, but it's not going back. In order to embrace this hybrid future of work, we have to enable our managers with the skills that they need to manage hybrid teams. And that means the ability from a remote position to understand what people are working on and what they are prioritizing. And not three months from now when that project is due, but in a much shorter time scale. And so the skills that we are recommending for managers, it sounds an awful lot like agile, <laughs> but you don't have to go full agile and do all the ceremonies, all that kind of thing. But there are some core agile learnings. Agile teams did much better in this transition than others. And so we can take the learnings from that and start to equip our team managers with those, right? So we need to chunk the work up, ideally into two week chunks, right? So here's my three month thing. Here's what I want you to do this first two weeks, second two weeks there, so that we can see if it's going off the rails very quickly. We haven't spent a lot of time, right? We need to have a shared online to-do list 
like whether it's Trello or Jira or something else, right, where we can actually see what people are working on. They grab that to-do card and they move it over into the doing column. And as a manager, I can log in at a completely different time zone or whatever than my person. And I can say, oh, why are you working on that first? No, no, no. I didn't want you, you know. So I have visibility, the same visibility as if I walk past the back of their desk and glanced at their screen, right? So we've got to give the managers you know, that ability to chunk up work, that ability to, with the shared to-do list, but also the ability to share our culture, right? Because with a remote worker, they get all of the company corporate cultural messaging from their manager, right? And so helping those people be, to really understand engagement and how to create affiliation is that third skill that those managers need. So that's the low tech answer. So, When we have companies that are ready to push into a bit more of a technology solution and they're like, I don't know about this metaverse thing, but I'm willing to try. What we suggest is that they pick a team that's already a pretty high functioning team. They've already, you know, they've figured out how to work remotely. So we don't have any of the teaming and management skills that we're fighting as well as new technology. And to have them pilot getting into headsets, you know, every day for their morning stand up and every other week for their two week share out. And they don't have to have any other meetings in the headset, just those two. Um, They can, but those two, they have to have and let them do that for a month. Right. And do some little video interviews beforehand, afterwards. What we have found is at the end of the month, people are sold. They love it. They're like, I don't want to spend my whole day in a headset, but I love having my stand-up meeting in a headset. I love seeing my team. I love having, you know, last week we even did a team happy hour in our headsets, you know, and you can take their experiences and you can turn it into like a little promo video to convince some other teams to try. Don't roll out to everybody all at once, right? But start with a couple of teams Great. That's a good proof point. Figure out what works for your organization. Expand it to 10 teams, you know, get that rolling and then start rolling it out because then it's starting to, people are starting to learn by word of mouth and by seeing other people going, oh, you've got to try this. I have two last questions. One I hope is easy, but we'll see. Um, If you could magically solve any workplace problem, metaversal or physical, I'm leaving that open. um, What would it be? Workplace is all about people, right? And so even though my expertise is in physical space, in virtual space, what I'm trying to do with that is unlock the potential of people. So if I were to solve one workplace problem, it actually wouldn't be about place. It would be about people. I think that to succeed... I was going to say in the future, but it's even now to be really successful people and organizations. It's all about learning. It's all about reskilling. And how do we make sure that our people have what they need to learn new technologies, to learn new skills, to continue to grow? The world is changing faster and faster. Technology is changing faster and faster. The things that I learned to do in high school and college are not terribly relevant anymore. And the fact 
that I, at the age of 62, am now a metaverse expert is fantastic. And it has opened significant doors for me. So if we can think about like, how do we get everyone in our organization to embrace the learning that's going to let them have doors open to them, you know, in their 40s, 50s, 60s, right? You know, when the skills that they learned young are no longer applicable, that is the workplace problem that I would solve. So last question, and I uh, say sometimes it's a little bit of a selfish one because it is who else should I have on this podcast and what, or is there something you would like to ask them? No, there's a guy I had a conversation with just the other day that I was like, this is really interesting work. Interior architecture. Guy Messick from IAXD, which is interior architecture, has really spun up a virtual space offering and has some really interesting thoughts on why not build a digital twin and the role of virtual design and physical design operating in tandem and the kinds of experiences that people want in virtual space. So I guess that would be my question to Guy Messick would be, what are the most powerful experiences that you are finding that you can deliver in terms of workplace to your clients? That sounds really interesting. They put a campfire out on the terrace. Like for real now or in the metaverse? In the metaverse. Ah, okay. Yeah, because you can't do it for real. There's fire rules, whatever, but you put a campfire in the middle of the living room if you want. And it turns out this one client of his Like that's where they have all their main like meetings as they go hang out by the campfire. There's something about it that's magical. It's uh, humankind's history. We like to hang out by the fire. <laughs> we do. We do. <laughs> Thank you, Christy, for um, bringing the world of metaverse a bit closer to me and hopefully our audience as well a little bit and the role it could play in the workplace. So thank you for taking the time to have this conversation. I appreciate you asking me. It was fun to get to talk about all this stuff. Thanks for listening. We will soon be back for more. In the meantime, go visit our blog and have a look at some of the other topics we have covered. Or stay tuned for the next episodes of The Workplace Leader. 